The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, say, for example, I did 15 minutes of intense, high-intensity training. That could be the equivalent of going out for a 45-minute run. And it's probably not going to be as difficult to manage your blood sugar in that short space of time, too. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Insulone Podcast. I hope you're all having a great weekend. Graham, how's your weekend? Uh, my weekend's been good. Uh, I'm just back for from some sprinting this morning, which I think will tie in nicely to the title of this episode, High Intensity Interval Training. Very excited to get into this. Will we just jump straight into an email, though? from during the week yeah absolutely well we get, well, we get straight into it because Please. i know we have a, we have a very busy podcast today. <laughs> yeah, we have and a lot we, to yeah, get through we have a lot to get through and we have an absolute massive email coming to us from canada his name is matt barry now matt you're going to hear this and you're going to think wait that's only about half of the email that i wrote <laughs> well matt don't you worry if we read out the whole email we'd have to dedicate a whole episode just to you so don't worry we have read it separately and in private but we're going to get into the meat of the email so it kicks off hello owen and graham i'm loving the podcast your reach has made it all the way over to the west coast of canada i'm writing to you from north vancouver maybe you've been here during your canadian stay that is of course where myself and yourself Owen. that's where we met yeah all those you know insulone podcast without vancouver yeah, there you go. Look, the stars aligned to lead us to this point. I was just thinking about North Vancouver and I gave it a quick Google. Did you ever do Grouse Mountain? Did you ever do the clocks? I know me and Is our that- mutual friend, Shane, there's the mountain at the top and there's kind of there's zip lining and there's bears at the top and there's a gondola that goes up. But the tourists usually get the gondola, but you can climb up Grouse Mountain and it's all steps. And it's one of those things where me and Shane did it. And it's one of those things where you think going in like this is going to be incredible. And you get to the bottom and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get going at this. Mm -hmm. And then five minutes in and you hear it's an hour long trek. 
you're thinking to yourself, oh shit, this is hard. <laughs> and your calves are burning. And it's just, it's, it's steps. So it's step, 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 step. And you're looking up and you're thinking, oh my God, I can't even see the end. This is so difficult. Did you and, go up when we were there? Is that yeah, I, oh. yeah, I went up. I went up the three times. Went over because I went over two summers and then I went over on holidays there a couple of oh, years okay, ago as well. Yeah, yeah. And but there's no better feeling, you know yourself, when you're after doing an incredible workout mm. when you get right at the top. Absolutely. So seeing you from North Vancouver, Matt brought back some memories for me. <laughs> <and> anyway, <laughs> yeah. so he goes on, but I'm going to jump right into the middle of the email because it's got to do with last week's episode cardio. He says the reason for my email, apart from saying hello and thank you is that in your recent podcast about cardio, you asked for personal strategies that we did. And I thought by sharing my trial and errors, it may interest you. I've been 100% dedicated to training for 18 months now, and I'm working towards a marathon. Mm. Like you, Owen, working towards a marathon. This year, the goal is half a marathon, and I'm already registered for some trail races in our local mountains starting in May. And if one of them is Grouse Mountain, well... The best of luck to you. Best of luck with that one. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Uh, I like to actually run while fasted. The beautiful thing about fat adaptation is that the metabolism is using ketones as its primary energy source, so the drop in blood glucose is much slower. I used to save taking my long-acting insulin until after my run, so I was going out having taken literally no insulin on board. The body, as you know, is a constantly changing beast, though, and my last few runs following this protocol were resulting in massive blood sugar spikes, like almost 20. So I've landed on splitting my basal up and taking four units before the run and taking the remaining 14 afterwards. No rapid before. I ran a wonderful 14 kilometers last weekend with no huge spike, took two glucose tablets as I saw it dropping and finished off the run at 6.1. Win. So nice to feel like a machine and glide through a run rather than walking out the last five kilometers because you feel like garbage and exercising that high can cause more harm than good. So once again, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing and you'll be getting a five star rating from me. Yes. Have a great weekend and I look forward to the next few episodes on resistance and hit. Cheers. That is Matt and he's at type one keto guy on Instagram. And that's only half the email. Well, thank you, Matt. <laughs> I greatly appreciated uh, the email, first of all, and the fact that you're listening. And most importantly, enjoying the podcast is great to hear. So thanks, Millen, and we appreciate you getting in touch. What I enjoyed about listening to that was, although his routine is quite different to mine. Now, obviously, we both share the idea of not having any fast acting insulin on board is going to work wonders in preventing sudden drops while you're running. But our goal is the same. Our goal is to run without having diabetes get in the way. And we both have different ways of doing it. So that's why, and we touch on it in this podcast all the time, Graham, about, yes, of course, all type one diabetes is the same but no type one diabetic is the same. Yeah, yeah. So even though me and Matt are training for essentially the exact same type of race, how we treat our diabetes, how we train for runs, what the strategies that we use to ensure that we avoid those highs and lows are completely different. And it's fascinating to hear that because he obviously puts a lot of work into his management. He obviously understands his own body. 
probably endless trial and error in terms of his run and technique and his times and, and intensities. Even different times of days, he's had to just trial and error, trial and error, trial and error to find out what works best for him. So, yeah, really enjoyed listening to that. Really enjoyed reading it then myself privately. Obviously, as you said, there's a lot more in it. Um, but yeah, thanks a million, Matt. Thanks for for getting in touch. And for anybody listening, I think that just shows how different we all are. You know, and obviously in this podcast, of course, I like to try and give as much generic information as possible. But essentially, this is from my own experience living with it. And as we've just heard, my experience can be completely different to Matt's. So it's about finding what works for you, how you can do certain things, and how you can manage your diabetes to the best of your ability. Yeah, it epitomizes everything you've been saying over the last many months doing the episodes that that's how you do it and that's the advice that you can give based on your body but it's all about trial and error trial and error mm. getting things wrong is a good thing because then you find out exactly what works for you and then you can go forward and improve your diabetes management but thank you so much as Owen said for that Matt he got us on the Insul Owen podcast at gmail.com and if you have a similar experience to Matt We'd love to hear from you. I can see Owen's eyes light up when he heard about all that. It's like, ah, this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. This is his yeah, routine look. and how he has kind of figured it out for himself. And we'd love to hear from you as well if you've got something similar. Yeah, look, if you're somebody who listens to the podcast and you have something in mind that you would love to share with us or think we might be interested in, send it to us. Like, it, even if you think it's something tiny in your day, just like Matt, it can be so interesting for me and Graham to listen to and read back through to see, oh my God, whoa, things, even though our goal of keeping blood sugar as stable as much as possible, that's like the universal goal for all diabetics. How we reach that goal each day, each minute can be completely different. So we love hearing stories like that. And the more we hear, the better. So, so don't hesitate to reach out. On a, on a selfish note, Matt, I'd like to know, I presume you've done Grouse Mountain and I'd like to know what was your time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's just on a selfish note for me. Okay, Owen, last week 47 was cardio. We're moving on. We're doing three 46. weeks. This is 46, excuse me. 46 was cardio. This week is 47. Mm. It is hit training. Tell me everything I need to know about it. Okay, so like you had just said earlier, Graham, hit which is H-I-I-T, is high-intensity interval training. So basically what that is is short bursts of exercise time followed by frequent rest times. So it could be 20 seconds of high knees, 20 seconds of bodyweight squats, 20 seconds of lunges, 20 seconds of push-ups. Say 20 seconds work, 30 seconds break. So it's keeping you working 100% effort for that short burst of 15, 20, 30, 40 seconds, whatever you want to do, followed by a break. And yeah, you did your sprints this morning, Graham, so so it's not easy. How was your experience today? It was good. So what we did was I uh, exercised one of my team members because our season is coming back and it's always the worst part of the season is pre-season when you realize even overindulged over the winter. <laughs> but what we did was we got the Gaelic pitch and we sprinted out to halfway line, rested 10 seconds, went back, 
rest of 10 seconds and we did that 20 times and then we did short bursts out and turn so to about 20 yards out and back 10 mm-hmm. seconds rest out and back 10 seconds rest so we did that 10 times but especially in the cold weather as well because it was about five or six degrees this morning in dublin the the lungs burn on you and i'm sure you're well aware because if you're uh, training for your marathon as well mm-hmm. when you're out in the cold Especially the first five minutes, your lungs are just burning. The first five minutes are the hardest because oh. what, what am I doing out here? And when you take a deep breath in, it's almost like you. you it sometimes feel uh, feels as if you're like stinging on the, on the mm. inside. It's strange. But why is it beneficial? On why would you say hit is beneficial, especially for diabetics? So, well, not even just especially for diabetics. I'll I'll get into that, but even just in general. HIT is a very convenient way to train. So you obviously don't need any equipment. As I said, it could be push-ups, high knees, squats, jumping jacks, all these sort of bodyweight exercises. So it can be done in a very short space of time. So it could be 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, and maybe up to 40, depending on depending on how badly you want to cripple yourself over that space mm. of time. And it's perfect for somebody who feels that they don't have time and that's that's a common reason for somebody to maybe avoid daily exercise or not get into a kind of consistent training regime is they they will say to themselves that look i just don't have time and i fully appreciate how busy people are because there's a lot of different things that can be going on in your life but you can spare five minutes you can spare 10 15 minutes each day and do a hit circuit you don't need to go to the gym. You don't need to walk or run anywhere. You can do it in your sitting room. Very convenient. So it's, perf- it's perfect for these days that we're living in because I find I'm doing more of that type of training because I don't have access to a gym now. The gyms are closed in Ireland and I'm definitely seeing myself out in the football pitch doing these type of sessions a lot more now because mm. I've got a couple of dumbbells, but not enough to kind of do what I was doing in the gym before. So this is perfect for especially the times that we're living in as well. Yeah, exactly. And look, even compared to the type of training that I would be doing in the gym prior to the lockdown here, like I try and train heavy with weights. I try and go to the gym five, six days a week to do those sorts of sessions. So even when I'm getting into a hit session, I'm like, oh, I'm only doing bodyweight stuff. It's it's so it's so much lighter compared to mm. what I'd be doing. You say that at the start and then 10 minutes in, you're like, oh my God, I am in bits. So you don't need a huge space or a huge amount of space. You can do it in your sitting room. You can do it in your kitchen if you like. And essentially you can get maximum benefits from minimal time. HIT can actually help you burn more calories than quote unquote traditional exercise like running or walking. Well, depending on the time that you do it. And you can also... I suppose, burn the same amount of calories in a shorter space of time. So say, for example, I did 15 minutes of intense, high intensity training. That could be the equivalent of going out for a 45 minute run. And it's probably not gonna be as difficult to manage your blood sugar in that short space of time too. And a comparison to long distance running, how is the intensity of the workout more beneficial? So because you're working in a short space of time, but really intensely training, 
that intensity can actually elevate your metabolism or your metabolic rate for hours after the exercise. Okay. So you may continue to burn calories even while you're resting afterwards. So right. you could have done a really, really intense 20, 30 minutes hit session. And then an hour or two later, you're watching TV, relaxing. You could be still burning calories more so than if you had just been out for a relatively light jog. And what about building muscle? Is it beneficial for that? It would be a lot more beneficial doing HIIT style training for muscle building compared to LIS. So LIS is low intensity, steady state. So that could be running, walking, I suppose a light jog too. So because with HIIT, it's high intensity, fast bursts of exercise, that's helping build muscle more so than if you were just out for a jog. So say, for instance, I've been kind of flip-flopping between these two during the week because uh, I'm just so bored, really, to be honest, <laughs> nothing to do <laughs> in lockdown. So I'll tell you, I did a 5K the last day, and I did it in and around uh, 23, 24 minutes, okay? Mm. Uh, but then this morning, I did hit, and the sprints were in and around the same time, but I would have done a lot more intense. Would that have built more muscle for me than doing the 5k yeah absolutely it's because it's those fast bursts of energy and there's there's different types of muscle fibers that are engaged with different types of exercise you're essentially engaging or using different muscle fibers when you go out for a jog than compared to heavyweight training or that fast burst of sprint Perfect. which can aid in in more muscle building and I remember you were saying last week about cardio and it increased insulin sensitivity. Is it the same with HIIT? Basically the same, yeah. So much like going out for a run and that kind of exercise, HIIT can have an influence on your blood sugar for up to even 24 hours, 36 hours afterwards. And that's another thing that I really need to, <laughs> really need to emphasize is when you are exercising, you're likely going to see a difference in your insulin requirements. It's important that you realize that. And I know I said it, I, th I think I said it on last week's episode, but a good rule of thumb is more exercise will equal less insulin. Less exercise will equal more insulin. Now, that's obviously, that's obviously a very broad statement yeah, yeah. and it can depend on each person, but generally that's how it's going to work. So if you get into exercise more so than you have ever done that's something that has changed your body isn't used to that so it's very 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 likely that if you continue to take the same amounts of insulin you might be trending lower with your blood sugars because your body is using up more glucose as energy it's using more the insulin itself more efficiently so therefore it's likely that you'll require less insulin well, let's get into the nuts and bolts then. What are we to expect from our blood sugars when we're doing a hit session? So from my experience and a lot of people that I speak to, it's likely going to have the opposite effect compared to cardio. Like low, like we were talking about last week, yeah. going out for a run. So if you're going to be doing an intense 20, 30 minutes hit session, it's probably now... I'm emphasizing probably not guaranteed. Well, based on based on your yeah. experiences, I was, as we can see, it can differ from Matt's email. Exactly. When I do high intensity 
my blood sugar is much more inclined to spike. So I'll see a rise. So I know I touched on it again last week, but when I resistance train, so work with heavy weights and high intensity, my blood sugar trends up. Whereas if I go out for a run, and particularly now because I'm running a lot, a lot more often than I ever have done, my bloods will always trend down. So because of that, the preparation for hit is completely different to my preparation for a five or 10 mile run because I know to expect something completely different. Okay. So the most important thing when you're preparing for exercise is being aware of your previous experience, anticipating what's going to happen and being able to take action to ensure that you don't go high, you don't go low. Now the three A's on the three A's. My my three A's hundred (laughs) percent. So now, even if it is your first time doing, doing hit, you should start easy because you don't want to blast yourself out with a 30 or 40 minute hit session and kind of be clueless about my blood sugars are spiking here or they're, they're dropping here and you kind of get lost in how your body's actually reacting because it's so intense so fast. If you are starting, I'd start small with like five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes just to see, hmm, is my blood sugar seeing a rise or am I seeing a drop or just so that you can kind of map things out day by day by day and week by week, depending on how you're seeing your body react. All right. So how I would prepare for hit would be number one thing I need to make sure I need to make sure that my blood sugar is within range. So unless it's six or below, so that would be six MMOL and 108 for Americans. So if I'm below that number, I'll wait to bring it up slightly. So if I'm below six, I will have like maybe 10, 15 grams carbs without insulin to bring it up slightly so that I feel confident going into the exercise. And if I'm over six, I'm happy enough to go. But that's just with high intensity because with high intensity, if I'm six, I'm happy enough going into it that I might see a bit of a rise, but it won't go too high. Whereas if it was cardio, I wouldn't start at six. Because I know that I'm definitely going to see that drop. It's funny. It's like my blood sugar falls off a cliff. (laughs) So I could be doing cardio and it's always around 30, 35 minutes. I'll keep an extra close eye on my Dexcom, like my CGM. And the graph will just be like going across level and then boom, just drop. And it's, it's almost just like a vertical drop. It's fascinating. But as I said, with hit, I'm always happy to start around six or seven because that rise will come but it won't be too much of a spike and again much like last week i highlighted the importance of insulin activity around cardio it's the same with with high intensity i will try and avoid having too much fast acting insulin on board ideally i don't want to even have any on board an advantage of that too is because there's no fast acting insulin on board I know the true impact of the exercise itself. And as you know, Graham, I generally train fasted anyway. So I know there's not really much food impact on my blood sugar. If I train first thing in the morning, I don't have any fast acting insulin on board. So therefore I know that with the exercise, how my bloods react 
it will likely show how my body responds to that exercise after and because it's the hit episode after hit i will try to avoid fast acting insulin for just an hour an hour and a half afterwards now that's just me that's what i like to do because i know that if i see that spike from my experience it comes down for me naturally within that hour or an hour and a half so i kind of hold off on insulin because i know that a i'm going to be more sensitive to insulin as a result of the workout and b if it's coming down naturally and then i load on (laughs) extra insulin i'm going to plummet pretty fast well extremely fast so is it coming down naturally because of the long lasting insulin it will come down naturally for me just as a result of the exercise after time because okay even though i will see my blood sugar spike as a result of the workout itself after the workout and hours after i will see my bloods trend down slightly naturally anyway what, so is there a reason for that, just, or is that just- because because your your body is more sensitive to the insulin any insulin on board your body is still using up that glucose more efficiently than it would have done if you didn't exercise that's why it's super important for people to be very mindful of insulin doses after exercise because you are more sensitive to insulin then you will likely see your blood sugars trending downwards and particularly if you're training later at night you're a lot more susceptible to experiencing nocturnal hypoglycemia which is in layman's terms at nighttime low blood sugar and the a nightmare, literally. Oh, yeah, nightmare. And I've actually, made sure we've touched on my low blood sugar nightmares, but that's the last thing you want. So it's pretty likely that if you exercise later at night, you probably will need to reduce your insulin dose that night. Because if your bloods are trending down anyway, and then you continue to take the same dose, you could be more likely to, to drop while you're asleep, which is... <laughs> a terrible experience because you wake up and then you're as i said you're like a, a, a bear in a kitchen or a bear in a picnic <laughs> invading the kitchen <laughs> what would you say to somebody starting out starting out with hit yeah they're thinking do you know what been a bit inspired here really want to get into this type of training what would you say to them absolutely go for it you can do it from home it's less overwhelming because you can do it at home you don't have to walk into a gym and see 100 different weights 100 different types of equipment 100 different people you can sometimes feel like everybody's staring at you whereas if you're at home you can say right i'm going to do 10 minutes of this and it's just a lot less daunting there's obviously no membership fees because you're not joining the gym it's a bonus and with hit style training i know we briefly touched on it already you don't need a lot of time And because of that, in a way, you have no excuse not to do it. You have 15 minutes in the day. You can do... There's the voice crack. I wonder will I do an episode without my voice going. That's part of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think the big things for people that, I suppose, steer them away from getting into some sort of exercise routine is having a lack of time. You have 15 minutes. That fear of going high or going low. If you start small with 10, 15 minutes, you probably won't see a drastic impact on your blood sugar. So 
start small 10 15 minutes and you don't need to feel massively motivated to do 10 minutes in your sitting room just try it out see how you get on and you learn more about your diabetes then with the exercise that you do and if you are starting i know we've already said it be aware of the fact that you will likely see adjustments in your insulin requirements so if you are doing something that you have never done before which is exercise your body is going to respond to a way that you probably haven't noticed before so therefore you will likely require less insulin and if if you go and exercise and you see your bloods go low or you see your bloods go high don't be like oh jeez i'm i'm never doing that again because that's just going to happen learn from that and know what you can do next time to prevent it because there, there's there's nobody out there living with type 1 diabetes that consistently exercises consistently trains or or does workouts or whatever and doesn't see higher low blood sugars it just doesn't happen and matt even touched on it earlier today in that in that email there is nobody out there that lives with type 1 diabetes that doesn't have highs or lows and if somebody says that to you they're lying or else (laughs) they don't live with type 1 diabetes so as, as we all know living with type one it it's an incredibly complex condition and on top of that it's not just a condition where you can copy everything everybody else does because it worked for this person therefore it worked for me unfortunately that's not the case it's incredibly complex plus your diabetes is unique to you so it's important to try these different things it's important to get into exercise and try something that you haven't tried before because you will learn more about your diabetes as a whole. So if you're already training, keep it up. If you haven't started training, give it a go. Don't let diabetes prevent you from doing it because overall you're going to see massive benefits in your blood sugar anyway. So it's important. Before we sign off, let's just do a brief summary again of the preparation for your hit in regards where your blood sugar levels are and what you do with insulin and food intake because during that I was uh, I felt like you know that meme of Zach Galifianakis and the hangover where all the maths equations are going up (laughs) so a brief synopsis of that again so if you're at six what do you do so to, to try and simplify it if my blood sugar is in range and I'm defining in range as six or 108 if my blood sugar is within range, I'm happy to start. I'm happy to start without any food because HIT generally spikes my blood sugar. If I'm in range to below range, so if I'm six or below, I will have 10 or 15 grams of carbohydrate without insulin to bring it up slightly, and then I can start because with type 1 diabetes, even though things have worked for me in the past, it might change today. So always, always ensure that you're in range. And I think that kind of summarized it. That's that's perfect. But again, everyone is unique and everyone's is different. But that is just Owen's experience. Owen, that was brilliant. Thank you so much. Didn't we tell you? It was a meaty one. We told you there was going to be a lot in there. And we're delighted to get that one out. And next week is the final one of the the three-episode sweep where we're concentrating on fitness. And next week is 
resistance training. Ooh. So that's weightlifting. Weightlifting. Yeah, 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 weightlifting. Push up squats, all those kind of all those good things. Yeah, that was one of those <laughs> that was just one of those episodes where if you get into these diabetic zones and just brain dump everything, <laughs> everything that's yeah. in there. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. And if you want to get in contact with the podcast, it's the Insulone Podcast. If you have trouble spelling Insulone, just look at your phone or your laptop now. It's on your screen at gmail.com. If you want to tell us about your workout routines like Matt did or any questions in regards to anything, you can hit us up there. And Owen, anything else before we leave episode 47? Yes. So if you are somebody who does want to get into hit high intensity interval training after this episode or like graham said you feel motivated or inspired to do something different on my website insulone.com i have a diabetic home workout strategy ebook so in that it has a guide on how to manage blood sugars what to expect from your blood sugars much like what we've been talking about today but it will be on your phone easy to read and four weeks of scheduled workouts. So easy to follow. There is photos and descriptions of each exercise that you are to do. So if it's something you're interested in, obviously it's completely related to diabetes and how to manage things while you're exercising. If you want to check it out, check it out in Sloan.com. And as always, really appreciate you listening to the episode. I hope you are getting value from it. We are seeing a lot more listeners these days, Graham. It's great to see. Great We've to see. Definitely got more people coming into the Insulone podcast community. And it's fantastic to know that when people come in, they're staying and they're passing it on as well. And I'm I'm watching your Instagram closely. People are sharing it on their stories. And we love seeing that as well. If you are listening, give it a share because that gets the word out there as well. Tag Owen, he'll give you a reshare as well. Um, it's really great to see. We're delighted with it. Absolutely. And look, as always, you're not the only type one diabetic out there. There are plenty of us. So have a great week. Have a great day. And I will chat to you next week. Bye.